1: Handing you right over to Jack Riccardi. Jack, how are you? Hey, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing swell. Look at this weather. It's great. Oh,
2: man, it is.
1: It, I noticed that
2: you often point out the weather because at one point we were kind of holding you responsible for the weather. And I feel like now you're kind of polishing the apple a little bit. Like every time there's a good day, it's like it's a. I know, will- it's it. I it's will, a Christian blood production.
1: I will take credit
3: where credit's yeah. due.
2: <laughs> sure, absolutely <laughs> right. Guy KTSa thinks he makes the weather happen. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, hey, we're going to talk about Halloween costumes a little bit later on. So, kind of put your mind on that, and I'll come back to you. And sounds uh, good. Ask you about that. All right. I got to start with this uh, because I have been. I have been. This is one of these days that I have been. Chom- Four o'clock could not come fast enough for me today. I have been chomping at the bit for for our get-together right now, and I'm glad you're here, and you can join the show at 210-599-5555. I, first, i got to admit, this debate between John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz last night, I thought it would be bad. I thought I knew what to expect. I figured because the Fetterman people agreed to a debate, they had some kind of plan, or there was some way in which this could work, and it was... Much worse, uh, for John Fetterman than I ever imagined, uh, it would be. I mean, it really leaves you questioning how people around him, how his wife, his family, his close circle. I mean, you, you know, when people run for office, there's a lot of, you know, leeches that just attach themselves to you hoping to get something out of it. And they don't give a damn about you, but they, they are looking, you know, to, hitch their you know wagon to a horse so i'm not talking about those people the professional political class or democratic activists or operatives or whatever I, I you know i'm just saying aren't there people that like him and they let him do this last night this is how he opened the debate last night
4: cut number eight as lieutenant governor you're running for a seat that could decide the balance of power in washington what qualifies you to be a U.S. Senator? You have
5: 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I'm running to serve Pennsylvania. That's the, that's the opening of the debate. Good night, everybody.
2: Um, so it's it's morbid and it's disturbing that he was out there. And it just gets worse. He was asked about his medical records. This is the candidate who had a stroke in the spring, uh, right around the time he was securing the Democratic nomination. They press him on the medical records. This is how that goes. Cut number seven.
4: You have not released your detailed medical records surrounding your stroke. Mr. Fetterman, will you pledge tonight to release those records in the interest of transparency?
5: You have 60 seconds. No. Uh, To me, for transparency, is about showing up. I'm here today to have a debate. I have, you know, speeches in front of 3,000 people in Montgomery County, you know, all across Pennsylvania, big, big crowds. You know, I believe if my doctor believes that I'm fit to serve, and and that's what i believe is appropriate and now with two weeks before the election you know i have run the campaign and i've been very transparent about being very open about the fact we're in use captioning and i believe that again my doctors the real doctors that i believe in they all believe that i'm ready to be served
4: follow-up i didn't hear you say you would release your full
5: medical records why not you have thirty seconds No. Yeah, Again, my Dr. L believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing.
2: Mm. You know, I I think he should skip the Senate and be vice president because he sounds like Kamala Harris at times, doesn't he? I'm uh, fit to be serving. I'm fit to be served, ready to be served. Serve me. I stand where I'm standing. Isn't that like her when she says stuff like uh, people who can work should work and people who are able to work are able to work and all that stuff? Anyway. Here's the thing that's happening now. So this this debate happened, and Mehmet Oz was solid. Uh, remember the spin they tried to do before the debate was, "Oh, he'll be good because he's a television performer." It, it, you couldn't even really tell. He was he was just okay. But now the spin is, forget about his answers. He's a hero. This was one one guy said on Twitter. This was a test for Americans to see if they are comfortable with disability. So if you watched this and you were uncomfortable, that's on you. You are not comfortable with people who have disabilities. Another uh, analyst said afterwards, this was about accepting people with disabilities. And yet another said that Dr. Oz was a bully last night because he took advantage of a man with disabilities, like like he, he stole the purse of a little old lady with a cane because he was on the debate stage with Fetterman. And Fetterman is showing us courage by staying in this race. So there was no way to spin this as articulate or good on the issues or explanatory about what he would do if serving in the u.s. senate so they fell back on what a heroic performance how brave of him to stay in this race he is so courageous and i would like to ask if that is true i have somebody i'd like to mention to you Uh, his name is greg abbott perhaps you've heard of him he's been in a wheelchair for like 35 years Why don't they ever say that about him? Why isn't Greg Abbott, when he goes to Uvalde, when he, when he sends the immigrants to the border, when he takes on Biden, when he's, why, why don't they think Greg Abbott is a a courageous example of disabilities in action and overcoming disabilities? Why don't they, why don't they accuse Beto of taking advantage of a man in a wheelchair? Or or Madison Cawthorn, the guy that was congressman for five minutes from North Carolina, they mocked him incessantly on the left, and and granted he he was very mockable, but I don't remember anybody saying, "Oh my gosh, we're so impressed with his with the example he's setting." Think of how he's lifting up people with disabilities. But no, they never said that. But Fetterman, that's the, that's all they have left. So for the next two weeks, what you're going to hear is, yeah, that was. It wasn't about his answers or that you couldn't understand them, the sentences you can't diagram. He taught us a lesson. And we should feel inspired by him. We should admire him. He lifted up people with disabilities. This is a teachable moment, said another analyst last night. This is a teachable moment. By the way, if that's the spin... Guess who else that could apply to? Think about it for a minute. Think about how you could use that same argument, say, in two years, for another candidate who will be inarticulate and confused and unable to connect the beginning and the end of a sentence or remember what he did or talk about what he did. I guess that will also be inspiring and a teachable moment. We've got a lot to learn. 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. And then I love the story today. Have you heard this? So it looks like the Twitter thing with Elon Musk is going to happen. Apparently he is going to own the company, and he's going to be the boss over at Twitter, and he just tweeted out a picture of himself walking in at Twitter headquarters. He's very, you know, he's very, um what's the word I'm looking for? He, ha- he has a lot of swagger, this guy, Elon Musk. Uh, But so do his uh, future employees, because Twitter employees have just sent a letter to Elon Musk with their demands. And I'm wondering uh, how hard he must be laughing right now. Elon Musk gets a letter from Twitter employees, and he has said, by the way, there's going to be a lot of layoffs. He thinks there's way too many people in there. And he plans massive, like we're talking about more than half the workforce is going to be laid off. He says, uh, he thinks they have too many people. He doesn't really get what they all do or how they bring value. So this is their, so he has said that and this is their response to that. We demand respect. We demand safety. We demand that the leadership does not discriminate against workers on the basis of their race, gender, disability, sexual orientation, or political beliefs. We also demand safety for workers on visas who will be forced to leave the country if they are laid off. We demand protection. We demand that Elon Musk explicitly commit to preserve our benefits. We demand dignity. We demand Transparent, prompt communication about our working conditions. We demand to be treated with dignity and not to be treated as pawns by a billionaire. Sincerely, Twitter workers. Um, This would tell, if I didn't already know I needed to lay off a bunch of these people, this would tell me I needed to. Um, Here's how it works. As somebody that has worked for a lot of bosses and had, just at this one radio station, we've had like five different owners. Um, when you get a new boss, when you get a new owner, you have to demonstrate your value to the new owner. That is not the time to call him on the carpet. What, what are these people smoking? I mean, I hope this is just Twitter. I hope this isn't like that whole generation, but I do wonder. You should be putting your nose to the grindstone, and whatever the hell it is you do at Twitter, you should be doing it four times as hard, coming early, staying late, working through lunch, that's how you demonstrate your value. That's how you get off on the right foot with your new boss. You think you can make demands? I have news for you. When you buy Twitter, you're buying the concept and the intellectual property of it. You're not buying these, these people that work there. But they really don't get it. They they really think, I mean, you got to stop and take a moment with this. They really think they're in a position to, uh, we'll show him. Got some demands. So I want to hear what you think about that. 210-599-5555. And today is a special anniversary. Uh, Today is the uh, six-year anniversary of one of the all-time great tweets. Uh, Today is the day in 2016 that Hillary Clinton tweeted out a picture of her as a little girl in elementary school. It looks like a school picture kind of picture. She's got a nice dress on, and her hair's all styled, and she's a little girl. And she tweeted out, happy birthday to this future president on October twenty sixth, 2016. And the funny thing is, she's never taken that down. It's still there on the Hillary Clinton uh, Twitter account. Um... I have, to, I have to say, this has always kind of made me laugh and smile, so I guess I should thank Hillary Clinton in a way, because I can't say that very often about her, that she makes me laugh and smile, but I, I, I do enjoy this. And I guess to me, it kind of encapsulates kind of or encapsulates everything that Twitter can be and everything that is, is dangerous about it at the same time. Now, she could have taken this down, and I'm sure they would have helped her, you know, memory hole it somewhere. But it's there, and people have captured it and screen capped it and whatnot. And so six years ago today, she was so sure she would be president that she was congratulating herself from her past. Her her childhood version of herself was writing her a
1: congratulatory note.
2: I, it it is that is a teachable moment that I say will be. We could all fall into that trap, so don't don't be a Hillary Clinton. I really think the Fetterman and Oz debate could have gone a completely different way. I mean, I really don't know why they did a debate because they they've been dodging them. Other candidates around the country are dodging them. I think the governor of Minnesota has never done a debate. The Democratic candidate in Arizona has never done a debate. But. Um, I think really, if I, if I were the Fetterman people and I was hell bent on putting him on that stage, I would have equipped him with a joke or some sort of self, um, effacing or, you know, kind of, kind of like, uh, you know, give him kind of a Reagan zinger and everybody just sort of laughs and, and, and understands, okay, the guy get, I think people just need to know, does the guy get that he is sounding like this? And if he had come out and said, you know, believe me, I, I I'm thinking better than I'm talking, or my body's working better than my mouth, or whatever, just something that would have been Okay, guys, I get it, I get how uncomfortable and disturbing this is, but I'm recovering and I'm gonna be fine and you know, I won't even be in the Senate till January and I've I've recovered so much already, I would recover even more by then. I mean I I think you could I think you could do a lot that would probably have turned this into at least a positive or a wash, but they didn't do anything like that. He didn't say anything like that. And then his people came out after the debate, and they they were, like, adamant. He kicked, uh, he effing kicked Oz's ass, you know. No, no, he didn't. Look, we all can have compassion for someone, but also see them. You can have compassion. You can have love you can say, I'm going to, um, work with this person, or I'm going to help this person, or I'm going to hire this person. But that's not the same thing as I'm, I'm blind. I don't see them. And don't give me this ableist crap. I am, I am not taking this. I mean, I, if people fall for this in Pennsylvania, let's sell them the Brooklyn Bridge too, because there's no way. If you, if this is what you think, his candidacy is all about, then why did you nominate him before he had the stroke? Was, he had no ableist angle before then. He was just a big, tall galump with a hoodie, and he lived in with his parents, or lived off of them. You're making this crap up as you go along. Oh, it's, 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 it's a teachable moment, yeah. It's a teachable moment, or it's a teachable moment about how desperate political people are They'd push a dead body across the finish line, which, by the way, did happen. I had to look this up to see if I remembered it. Don, I don't know if you remember. Do you remember a guy named Mel Carnahan? Does that name ring a bell? Not at all. Does name Mel Not Carnahan ring any bell for you? Yeah, I, I remember this vaguely, so I looked it up today to make sure I was right. This was in 2000 in Missouri. They had a Senate race. uh, between the governor of Missouri named Mel Carnahan. He was a Democrat. He was was a good guy. He was I think he was an Air Force veteran and a moderate Democrat, very popular in his state. He was running for the Senate against John Ashcroft. You may remember John Ashcroft was a senator, and then he became George Bush's first attorney general. John Ashcroft was one of the architects of the Patriot Act. So they're running for the Senate. It's neck and neck. And one night in October... On his way to an event, Mel Carnahan's plane crashes. And he's killed. Everybody on the plane was killed. I think his his family was with him or his son was with him or something as well, and they were killed. It was too late to take his name off the ballot. So on election day, he was on the ballot. And he won. And it wasn't close. And he won because Democrats voted for the name with the D after it, even though they knew he was dead. It wasn't like they didn't know or it had been kept secret. And I think perhaps people also voted in some cases against John Ashcroft because John Ashcroft is very controversial. So never underestimate the power of partisan loyalty and probably somewhere along the line, Republicans have elected a dead person too. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but the Mel Carnahan one popped into my popped into my head. Yeah, don't give me the ableist thing. Not having that, not not buying that. And if that was their their approach to this, then then have your candidate address it. Have your candidate say, "Look, I I know how bad this sounds, but trust me, my mind works, and I can represent you, and I do represent you." Um, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to present him as everything's perfectly normal. But then when it clearly isn't, they fall back. And, and if anything, that's insulting to disabled people. Disabled people don't come to the workplace with a long list of excuses. They don't come to school or work or wherever they present themselves and, and, and pre-excuse themselves. Well, I'm not going to be able to do this, 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 this. No. And, and they know they will have to perform. Some accommodation will be made, just like some accommodation was made for him in the debate. They put a caption thing in front of him. But you, you can't have it both ways. Either you're going to address that you're in that situation. And I think people would have liked that. I think that would have, for undecided voters, that might have been an appealing thing if he made a little joke about it or a couple of maybe, you know, poked a little fun at himself. You, you put people at ease with what they can clearly see is going on. But he didn't do that. And his people aren't doing that, and now we're getting this pious lecture from people on television who just want Democrats. That we are the ones to blame if we didn't like what we saw, if we were uncomfortable. That means we're judgy and discriminatory. How dare they? I mean, <laughs> really? When when are when is their shame going to catch up with them, if ever? You have got to be kidding me. eBay has removed. The Jeffrey Dahmer costumes that had been for sale and selling very briskly. One of the most popular Halloween costumes this year is Jeffrey Dahmer, the serial killer and cannibal from Milwaukee. The reason he's come back into uh, vogue is because Netflix has been doing a series or uh, has a series called uh, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. So Jeffrey Dahmer was a real person. He isn't a Halloween character like Freddy Krueger or Michael Myers or the, the Scream guy. Does the Scream guy have a name? I just call him the Scream guy. I don't know. Um, so everybody was selling these costumes, and then all of a sudden, it's like all at once, everybody realized, oh, wait a minute, Th- this was a real a real guy and he killed people and he ate people. He isn't he isn't a fictional character. He's a real character. So they've gone from one extreme to the other. It was a a big seller and it was it was popular and now all of a sudden all these companies eBay and others are saying we're, we're not we're not going to allow you to have even the they're, they're not even selling like uh blonde guy wigs or orange jumpsuits because people could make their own I guess Dahmer costume. So the Dahmer costume, I guess, would be like a prison jumpsuit and a blonde mop hairdo and those uh it's funny those glasses. Have you ever noticed how many like shooters and snipers and it's like there's a certain kind of glasses frame. Look, if you go to the glasses place to get glasses, do not pick that frame. Because there's like a serial killer frame, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? They all have it. Anyway, um, what do you think about that? Are you okay with people dressing up as Jeffrey Dahmer or not okay with that? 210-599-5555. Is this uh, just what Halloween is all about? Or uh, do you say, I draw the line because he really did. There are people out there that, that, you know, there are people that are mourning a family member. Uh, He really did. You know kill people he's not he's not somebody we should be having fun with. Freddy Kruger isn't a real thing. Michael myers not didn't you know his victims are just actors. they just pretended to be victims this 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 man had real victims. What do you think about that two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five I remember when the Jeffrey Dahmer thing was going on. I have not watched the Netflix show because frankly uh living through it the first time was enough i would, wasn't interested in reliving it or. Seeing an actor portray it, they say, they say the guy that plays him does a good job that that may be true. I don't know. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer was a monster. I mean, he, from a period of time starting when he was in high school and going, um, into the early nineties. So from the seventies to the nineties, I think they said there were 17 victims that they know of. Usually with guys like this, there are some other people who disappeared around the time or their body was never found or positively identified. He preyed on young men. He, he had, um, a lot of issues growing up and he became obsessed with a guy that he saw jogging. And he, when he was still just like a teenager, he was going to kill this guy and, and sexually, uh, torture him. And he waited in the bushes where this guy always jogged. And that one day the guy didn't, didn't jog or didn't come that way. And so he didn't get him. But then he eventually gave into his fantasies and his impulses and what have you. And uh, right out of high school, I mean, like, like a week after he graduated or something, he had his first known victim. And they were typically people in their teens and early twenties. He was gay. Some of his victims he met that way, but some of them were straight. And when you hear about how he lured them it's kind of crazy. You think now who who would fall for that? Who would meet a stranger and say, "Yes, I'll come to your apartment and pose for pictures." But people did. And then he started going after even younger. He became fixated on um Asian uh like Thai and and Laotian boys um and he got some of them. And, uh, that was, if you remember at the time, that was the case. That, this was, this, this really stayed with me. I think of all the stories about Jeffrey Dahmer. This is the one that stayed with me. He had this young guy, this teenage boy, Laotian. He, he got him to come to the apartment, but the guy survived what Jeffrey Dahmer did to him. Jeffrey Dahmer would drill a hole into his victim's head and pour hydrochloric acid. And somehow th- this guy survived the first treatment. He got away and was out on the street begging for help, but he didn't, he didn't speak English. And if I remember the story, the police and the firefighters and the EMTs came. This guy was clearly hurt, but Jeffrey Dahmer fooled them. He told them that this was his lover, that this was his partner. And, and they, and they believed it. They even went up to his apartment and he said, Look, I've got pictures of me with him and he, you know, he's just drunk. Let me, let me leave him with me. I'll take care of him. I'll get him over this. And they, and they did. And he killed this guy, teenager. So this is the Halloween costume. And I'm just curious. I mean, is that like, hey, come on, you know, it's just a Halloween costume or does that cross a line for you because it was a real person? and I want to get your thoughts on that. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. eBay, Amazon, other retailers saying they won't sell the costume, but initially they did, uh, which is interesting. Uh, John is on KTSA. John, good afternoon.
6: Good afternoon, Jack. I, I'm just confused because I see Viking and pirate costumes, and the historical record's pretty clear on what they did to people. I'm just, is it the concern that because an individual Identifiable person that killed people and brutalized mm-hmm. them, but it's okay to just put on a costume for a culture, just not a person. It seems like a pretty so you would
2: thing. you would liken this to like dressing up like a pirate. Is that what you're saying?
6: Yes, because pirates robbed, raped, murdered, and pillaged. Right. But I guess because we we dress up as Blackbeard, he's a historical figure and he did a lot of horrible right. things to people. Right and arguably as or worse than Dahmer. I mean, death in the 1700s was not fun.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: I, I, I don't know I if the pirates the ate. I don't. I
2: don't know if the pirates ate their victims, but uh, I might have to. I might have to disagree with you about the 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 being worse. But um, so if you were if some if you were wearing this costume, and somebody said you know kind of called you out on it. You would respond, well, what about people that are dressed like Vikings and pirates and soldiers and what have you? You'd say, well, they've they've engaged in in these acts as well. That would be your your answer?
6: No, I wouldn't answer because the kind of person that objects to a Halloween costume on that basis would object to any answer I gave them. They're not serious people.
2: Oh, okay. So you would have no answer. Would you wear this costume yourself?
6: No, I'm an adult. I wouldn't wear a costume on Halloween. I think it's a children's holiday. Um,
2: <laughs> that's a good answer. I'm glad you said that, John, because I that's, that's, that's my good. that's my thing about Halloween. I really wish we would leave this to kids. All right, what if your what if your child wanted to wear Jeffrey Dahmer? How would you feel about that?
6: I would take them to a child psychiatrist because I'd be my four-year-old should not be dressing or know who Jeffrey Dahmer is. And Jack, yeah, you're evading
2: the answer, saying, though, John. I mean, if you're if your child of let's say your child is Thirteen or fourteen, he knows who Jeffrey Dahmer is. They all do because they see it on Netflix. You, you would say what? Yes or no? You can wear the costume.
6: I'd say yeah. If you want to wear, if you want to wear a Jeffrey Dahmer costume because you think it's scary, creepy, or edgy, Halloween's the night to do it. I, I don't right. see, okay. again, I don't see the distinction between a rapist pirate or a murdering Viking and Jeffrey Dahmer. That they all did horrible things. Mm-hmm. Halloween's a scary holiday. That's why we dress up as scary things on Halloween.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So John says he would not dress up because he's an adult, which is the correct answer. But as far as his kids, he would let his kids wear a Jeffrey Dahmer costume. How do you feel about that? Yes or no? Are you okay with Dahmer costumes or not? So when I was in high school, there was, uh, we used to have a, a Halloween costume contest at school. It was like a school assembly. And, um, so if you wanted to enter you i don't know if you could wear the costume all day or you might have just had to put it on for the assembly but anyway the 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 i and i did not i wasn't a contestant but the contestants wore their we were we were all in the gym and the people in their costumes came out and you know applause boos whatever and then they gave prizes the i remember um the year, it was the year that, um, somebody had, do you remember when somebody tampered with Tylenol packages? It was, um, I forget where it was. It was, it was somewhere in the Midwest. Uh, uh people had, had put poison in some, uh, Tylenol, uh, capsules, packages. Th- this is why when you buy, Tylenol or any of those things. Now they're so like triple tamper-proof, you know, wrapped, and there's the foil seal, and there's the red thing, and the because of this terrible incident, and several people died. I think it was Chicago. Was it Chicago? Okay. One of the Halloween costumes at my high school was a tampered Tylenol bottle. I forget who it was. I don't know if it was a boy or a girl, but the kid dressed up like a giant Tylenol bottle that had been tampered with. People loved it. People thought it was very clever. People had just died. Not years ago, like that month or the month before. I want to say it was in the fall that it happened. Um So I don't know if that means we were just a bunch of jerks, which we probably were, and I still am, or if we've changed and This is sort of the, the Jeffrey Dahmer costume is sort of like the, the 40 years later example of the, of the Tylenol bottle. But, um, would you be okay or not okay with the Jeffrey Dahmer costume? And I have to say, I completely agree with the, the caller who said adults don't need to be dressing up in, in costumes at all. I do feel a little sorry for you when you, when you do that. Sorry, but I do. Uh, Bob is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. So would you be okay with it or not okay with it, Bob?
7: You know, I would be okay with it. Um, I I I'm an old guy and I kind of like Halloween and, and I don't think I would dress up as uh, uh, as Dahmer, but if I met him at a Halloween party, I wouldn't avoid him.
4: Well, I think you
2: shouldn't. I think you should avoid him if you meet him, uh, Bob. That's the whole point is you need to avoid Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm not
7: talking about the real
2: I know you're Dahmer. not. I'm, I'm just talking about I'm just kidding him. with you.
7: You, know, you, I, know, know. you don't seem like a guy
2: that would people, go to somebody's apartment to and take pictures.
7: Or laugh at <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's yeah. right, they don't, Bob. Yeah, You're right. Don't know how to laugh right. and make fun of anything. Let me ask you anymore, this, though. So let me ask you heck? this. Okay, can I ask you one more question? And I promise I'll let you go. What if you lived? What if you lived in Milwaukee, where? the victims were and the survivors and their families are would it be over the line to wear it there
7: yeah absolutely just like dressing up as clebold or somebody like that in colorado would be okay
2: oh so you think it'd be all right to dress as the columbine killer in another city but not in colorado really
7: um maybe
2: Huh. okay you I don't know, know about but, that that's a uh, that's the, a whole other... go ahead yeah, uh,
7: the world doesn't care what I think anyway, so it, it's it's all about <laughs> costumes and makeup and shock and stuff like that yeah, yeah uh, uh, no sense Bob, in I care about what you, you think that's really why
2: is. we're that's why we're talking I mean, what do you mean the world doesn't care what you think of course we care about what you think.
7: Well anyway, like I said, uh it, it's it's not as big a deal as you could make it out to be. But okay. yeah, to do that in Milwaukee would be bad. To do Columbine in in, uh, Colorado in Colorado would be
2: bad. Okay. All right. Bob, thank you, sir. I appreciate your call. I do I do care about what you think. That's kind of what I'm here for. I'm here because I care about what people think. I want to hear it. Uh that was very awkward though. I don't know that's Probably one of the hardest conversations I've ever had. Just seemed very weird. Uh, but thank you for calling. 210-599-5555. Maybe this is just too awkward a thing to talk about. I, I hadn't, I hadn't considered that. Um, I saw that the eBay was pulling it and the other retailers were all virtue signaling. Oh, us too. We're not going to do it. Um, but, and, and that always, stuff like that always kind of alerts me or pings me because, First, you were okay with it. You knew who he was. So, why was it okay like a month ago, but it's not okay now? And then you're making a big announcement about how you're taking it off the market. Um, and then I started thinking, well, do people even care about that? Or would people think, no, the point of Halloween is to be shocking and outlandish and outrageous? And, you know, it that's why you have costumes with fake blood and wounds and, you know, arrows through the neck and all that stuff. Um, so maybe this is too hard to talk about, but if you want to give me a shout on it, we'll do that. All right. So I was uh, telling the story about how when I was in high school, we had a Halloween costume contest. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember any of the other costumes. The only one I remember was the kid that was dressed up like a tampered bottle of Tylenol. <laughs> you know? I remember when that was going it, on. <laughs> yeah. It tied, it, that had just happened and yeah. it tied in. You couldn't do it now. Nobody would know what the hell you were talking about. Right. But, but at, at the time, people knew what it was a reference to. Everybody thought it was hilarious. Is that, does that seem akin to this Jeffrey Dahmer costume that was at one point was the most popular costume for this year's Halloween. And now all the retailers are saying we won't sell it.
1: Yeah, it does.
2: Cause it, I mean, I guess the theory is. I'm going through some of the emails I'm getting. Look, it's supposed to be shocking and garish, and that's, you know, I mean, if you don't like that, their point is, if you don't like that, Halloween is just not the, the holiday for you.
1: Yeah. And the reality here is that, I mean, look at the nature of Halloween. It's spooky. It's scary. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. human nature mm-hmm. is, we're built to be drawn to the macabre, if you will. Mm. And especially as children, and that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. Like I remember so, that Tylenol thing because I was a little kid when right. that was going on. And so, so what does it say
2: about us though that that was funny forty years ago, or it was okay forty years ago, and it, this is not
1: now. Everybody can't dress up like strawberry shortcake for for Halloween. I mean, it's just mm. ha- it's Halloween. Where you want to tra- talk
2: creepy? Yeah, I was just picturing you dressed up as strawberry shortcake, and that.
1: You know, I wasn't going sp- to. That was off the chart creepy, right yeah, there. Careful what you ask for, because yeah, in yeah. 2000, mm-hmm. at the radio station I was working at in Fresno, California, mm-hmm. uh, we were kind of a you know adult alternative. We played a lot of No Doubt mm-hmm. back then. Okay. And okay. on a dare, uh-huh. I went as Gwen Stefani. No, oh. look it up. It's true. Oh, I'm not going to look it up. I. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Completely accept your.
2: I, I would like to totally accept. I would like to say at this time that I will stipulate to your
1: version of events. Had you not brought up strawberry shortcake, I'd mm. have never thought of it. But I think yeah. I left the door open
2: for that, didn't I? it. Open. He's like, one of these days, I'm going to tell my Gwen Stefani story, and <laughs> yeah. Jack just rolled out the red carpet. All right, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Yeah, it, this is. I'm, I'm getting email from people saying I wanted to call in, but I was afraid you'd yell at me. I don't think I yelled that much but anyhow um it are you okay or not okay with it as a as a halloween costume i to me um for starters i i don't see it as a, as a costume that kids would would think to wear or choose to wear it seems like something more that adults would do but the question it raised for me more than anything was because of the netflix series which is the whole point this is happening there was no interest in Jeffrey Dahmer costumes a year or two ago, right? But because of the Jeffrey Dahmer uh, Netflix series, does this mean that people are having a hard time differentiating between what's real and what's fictional? Because I will say, when you watch Netflix or you scroll through your menu on Netflix, it's kind of hard to tell which things are reality-based and which things are not. And they do a lot of dramatizations and re like the crown is a good example the crown is very entertaining i mean it's gr- it's great television it's probably about fifty to seventy five percent historically accurate I'm probably being generous and not everything in there is accurate or or proven history and there are people very offended by the crown um I can't think of her name. The actress that played M on the Bond series uh, has said she's very offended by it. She's British and she has herself portrayed Queen Elizabeth, and she says this is outrageous. And people think it's all real. They think they're watching a documentary, and it's just a dramatization or a fictionalization uh, of the royal, uh, the history of the royal family. So, anyway, um, I. I think that may be where I'm coming from, is that Netflix has blurred the line for a lot of people. And I just think maybe a lot of people that wear this costume really don't even know that they're wearing the costume of a real cannibal serial killer. They they think they're they think they're dressing up like the actor who's playing the character. And uh, that to me, that's kind of an interesting Netflix phenomenon. 2.10... Five nine nine fifty five fifty five. So, are you okay with it? Not okay with it? Would you let your kids wear it? Would you wear it? Adrian is on KTSa. Adrian, good afternoon.
8: Hi, Jack. How you doing? Uh, good. I'm okay with. I'm, I'm I'm okay with it. I would let my kids wear it. Um, before Jeffrey Dahmer, there was an OJ Simpson mask. There was also a Robert Blake mask. You know, so these things were worn as well. And I think that these companies are just looking to make money. So. I wouldn't, I would not allow it for my kids. Uh, I wouldn't celebrate, you know, these, I wouldn't celebrate Robert Blake, O.G. Simpson, Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, that's not, I think that's what people are are looking at, is that they're thinking, okay, if my kids were in this mask, they're celebrating this, uh, you know, rapist. What about the caller who
2: said, well, what's the difference between wearing that and wearing a pirate mask? You're celebrating piracy and killings and pillaging, and
8: would that be okay? It, it would be okay because there's nothing specific. It's just you're just wearing a pirate mask, and kids think oh. the pirates are cool. And you know, it's it's you're not celebrating a specific person. You know, this is something specific. So, but again, before Jeffrey Dahmer, what were people saying about O.J. Simpson? Yeah, Robert Blake.
2: Um, yeah, so, so you would not let your kids wear it. I, I I don't I don't
8: know if I heard your answer though. Would you wear it? Of course not. Why would I waste money on celebrating a piece of garbage? You know, I mean, these okay, are garbage so you, people in history. You know, no.
2: So you're not know. okay with it for yourself or for your kids?
8: Not at all. But gotcha. the people that want to waste their money on on garbage and celebrating garbage, okay. you know, they're gonna they're gonna come to to our doors and you know looking for candy, and no. I'm gonna just, I'm still giving give them candy, but I'm, I'll just think, you know, what 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 were they thinking, kind of thing, you know? So yeah. There you
7: go.
2: Uh, Adrian, thank you. Thank you for the call. Uh, Sam is on 550 and 1071 KTSA uh, on our poll question about the Jeffrey Dahmer costume. Hi, Sam.
3: How are you doing today? Uh, listen, I just want to make a, a couple of comments uh, uh, about the gentleman that said about it being okay to dress up as, as Dahmer. On the same coin, but the other side, I would ask him, what if one of his relatives had been one of the victims and he ran across somebody dressed as Jeffrey mm. Dahmer? Yeah. What about that? Now, as far as the the thing about the macabre thing about the Halloween, I like to quote a famous uh, comedian, Steve Martin. He used to say, it's a sick world and I'm a happy guy.
2: (laughs) Okay. All right, Sam. Thank you. Uh, 210-599-5555. Michael is on the radio. Hi, Michael.
3: Hi. How are you doing,
7: Jack? yeah I, I got a suggestion, you know I'm against it. Uh, you know I don't have any young kids, but if I did, I would not allow them, nor would I put something that horrendous on mm. but it's it's almost like uh
6: not enough time
7: has gone by. you know maybe a hundred years from now, maybe that might mm. be acceptable, but right now, no you know the uh well it's been it's been a,
2: thirty uh, years how how do you how do we know how much time is enough time?
7: Well, it's kind of like a uh, it's kind of like a birth certificate. After a hundred years, that becomes public information. Before that, so it's got to be something you know,
2: from a hundred years ago or more.
7: I think so. I think so. That way, you know, nobody's going to be
6: alive. What if you know, what if somebody dressed like as what if somebody dressed
2: as a slave? Slavery is more than a hundred years old. Would that be okay?
6: I think that would be. I think that would be. Oh, you know, that would be,
2: you know, that would be, come on, you know, that would be incredible. There'd be a huge, we have oh, to have yeah, a, like yeah, a national yeah. conversation I, I, about that if that I, happened. I don't think I, your I, hundred I think year that, thing works because it depends on what we're talking about. Some things fade over time and some things do not. Look at all the politicians yeah. that get in trouble for blackface, uh, pictures. Oh, and some gotcha. of those go back 30, 40 years, even more. But that's the kind of thing. If you've done it. It doesn't matter how far back it was or how old you were, when that surfaces it's like a torpedo you're done years of, and, and years I wonder by the way, I wonder if the Jeffrey Dahmer costume will be like that for somebody. I wonder if someday I, I won't be here, but you know someday years from now, somebody's running for governor or senator or public office, maybe not even in this country, and a picture comes to light that when they were younger, they dressed up as Jeffrey Dahmer. I, I have the feeling that will be a story someday you'll be discussing with my Successor on talk radio or whatever it is. Debates for the midterms. John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz in the Pennsylvania, uh, Senate race. That was last night. Here is, um, John Fetterman, um, on raising the minimum wage, cut number 13.
5: Now we we all have to make sure that everyone that works is able to that's that's the most american bargain that if you work full time you should be able to live in dignity as well true and i believe they haven't have any businesses being being uh we can't have businesses being subsidized by not paying ind- uh, individuals that just simply can't have a, to to pay their own way
2: mm what happened to like your wife or your husband just saying, No, I I I'm I'm stepping in here, I'm intervening, you may not realize I'm not letting you do this, you know? Where are these political wives? Anyway. Um we're gonna talk about that debate. We're gonna talk about the New York uh governor's uh debate and some of the other ones here as well. Uh two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. We're gonna talk about student loan debt forgiveness. And where that's going, you know that a court has held that up, uh, at least for the time being. And then we've been talking about um, Halloween costumes with that holiday fast approaching. eBay and other retailers have made a big deal of announcing they will not sell, they will stop selling. But remember, they were selling. (laughs) uh, The costume where you would go out as uh the actual real life serial killer cannibal uh predator Jeffrey Dahmer so first it was okay they packaged it they sold it they were tying into the Netflix series and then they made these big announcements oh we're, we're pulling it back we're pulling it off the market that that reeks of hypocrisy but i i just wanted to put it in front of you i i don't i'm not saying there's a right answer i just want to hear your answer um, are you okay with it or not okay with it, or uh, why or why not? And Mike is on KTSA. Mike, good afternoon.
6: Hey, good afternoon. Uh, I kind of thought about this and the response that I have for those individuals that, you know, that's their decision to go ahead and have that costume and wear it. Uh, obviously, they're wanting that wow factor. Uh, and let's face it, it wasn't in the Netflix. People don't care. But at the end of his life, Dahmer became a Christian. So if I see somebody in that costume, you're like, hey, cool costume. You're that uh, born-again Christian Jeffrey Dahmer, right? And just kind (laughs) of turn it on its head.
2: (laughs) Oh, Mike. Mike, 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 Mike.
6: That's the truth.
2: I was thinking that if somebody came to my door on Monday night dressed as Jeffrey Dahmer, I would pull back the candy bowl and say, oh, you wouldn't be interested in this. Because that's not what he ate. But, uh, all right. Mike says he would greet them as a fellow Christian because Jeffrey Dahmer had a prison conversion. Um, he was killed in prison and, and really right after he went in, I want to say like within the first few years of being, he was given like several life sentences because that was the most they could do in, in Wisconsin. So he got consecutive life sentences, zero, zero, zero chance of, of ever getting out. And then like, I I want to say like maybe three years in, uh, a fellow inmate, uh, beat him to death. Um, but here's the thing. These virtue signaling woke companies sold it, then stopped selling it. So they made their, they made their coin on it. Then they made a big splashy deal out of, "Oh, we're not going to do it. This is we're, we're, we have principles." Well, where were the principles when you put it on the shelf in the first place? You know, I mean, I I, I could see the argument either way, and you guys are making good cases, but to do both is so that is so twenty twenty two, isn't it? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Remember when, um, we talked about how the, the Democrats, especially Chuck Schumer, were putting money, Democratic money, into Republican primary races, uh, with the express purpose of finding the most extreme MAGA candidate of the, say there were several Republicans that were running for a Senate or a House or whatever. They would, they would pick out the one that was most MAGA and actually give him or her the money, the Democrat money, so that the Democratic candidate would have a MAGA opponent who would be easier for them to knock off. They could label the person extreme and dangerous, and he or she is an election denier and so forth. And remember at the time, we said, that's going to blow up in his face, and it's going to be delicious to watch that happen. Well, now it's happening. I was going through the, the... News today, and I came across some stories about the Senate race in New Hampshire. Now, New Hampshire is a purple state, but it went for Biden. And um, it's got a Democratic senator named Maggie Hassan, who was also the governor of, of New Hampshire. A lot of New Hampshire governors moved to the Senate because for a long time, I don't know if it's still true, but for a long time, the, the governor's term in New Hampshire was only two years. So you, you either had to keep running every five seconds or run for something else, and a lot of them would run for the Senate. So she's in the Senate now. She's not very controversial. You don't really hear about her. was considered a safe seat. A bunch of Republicans ran in the primary. And Schumer backed this guy named Don Boldick, who's the Trump guy. And he is all in with J6, and the election was stolen, and so he's extreme MAGA. Well, now Channel 7 in Boston just put out a poll. He's, he caught her. He's 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 caught up to her, and there's a very good chance. If 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 two, if uh, election night's a good night for Republicans, this is one of those races that he'll probably be swept in. So they will have elected. The Democrats will have elected what they claim to be so afraid of. Remember the interview, Jonathan Capehart telling telling uh, President Biden, "I am so scared." Yeah, what they're so scared about, they they bought and paid for with their donors' money. Nice going, Chuck. Good job. Just to recap where we're at, uh, you know the Biden administration announced uh, student loan forgiveness uh, and then um, had some trouble rolling out the website, and then a federal judge uh, uh, put a temporary hold on it. But the position of the administration is go ahead and apply anyway, uh, cause we can, we can still process the paperwork while we're waiting on this, uh, temporary hold. So somebody sent me this. This is a, uh, TV news story about a guy named Cody, who, um, is sort of like the, you know, he's the case, you know, the, the typical case or case in point for student loan forgiveness. Cody is a young man who's, uh, been out of college nine years uh, and owes about thirty thousand dollars so this is. i want you i want to play this i'm going to try not to interrupt it i want to play this tv news story and then we'll go back over what cody says take a listen to this
1: the biden administration is encouraging people eligible for student loan debt relief to keep applying online despite a court order temporary hold camilla bernard reports It may take a little longer, but
0: Cody Hunanian is still expecting a third of his student loan to be forgiven.
9: It's a light at the end of the tunnel.
0: He's referring to President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness program that would cover $10,000 of his student debt, because while he's been out of college for nine years, he still owes $30,000.
9: I recently married. Me and my wife are going to be thinking about purchasing a home, so it's all of a sudden kind of right in front of me again because i'm thinking about the kind of debt i have and i need to finance my future and get a home but okay. while the-
2: hold on hold on hold on i can't i just can't <laughs> are you are you hearing what i'm hearing cody has been out of college for 9 years 9 years he says he's married They're thinking about purchasing a home, but he hasn't paid the money back. It's a light at the end of the tunnel. How? How is making other people pay what you owe a light at the end of the tunnel? It's not a light at the end of the tunnel for them. So this guy, and it gets worse, believe me. So this guy was who they decided would be a good, like, here's a case in point. Cody, really keeping his fingers crossed for student debt forgiveness. It's a light at the end of his tunnel uh, because he wants to get on with his future. All right, keep going.
0: But while the administration was expected to start granting loan discharges as early as Sunday, a federal appeals court put a temporary administrative hold on the program, a move being argued in and out of the courtroom. USC economics professor Robert Deagle says that while all his students support the program, he asked them to consider different perspectives.
2: Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. So now they go to a college professor and they say all of his students support the program yeah i would imagine so and he does too i mean he's getting paid and he makes this point listen to this
4: relative to defense spending and the overall government budget um, the annual cost is is not huge but it there is um it's going to be a burden on current taxpayers
0: He also Mm. says if the goal is to help low-income families, the government should instead invest in, say, early childhood education. Mm. As an economist, Deacle says he thinks short-term loan forgiveness will only make inflation worse. Mm. But as a professor, he believes long-term this will make the U.S. more competitive.
4: We need people with skills, and um, the way to get it is in higher education.
2: Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, so... He's a college professor. I'm sorry, but you ask a college professor. This is their industry. This is a gigantic gift to their industry. I don't think you need to do this interview. I think you can already pretty much sum it up. They're going to be for it. And college students, yes, are going to be for it. And he he compares it to defense spending. That's really nothing compared to defense spending. Well, everything is nothing compared to defense spending. But then even he admits it's going to make inflation worse. And by the way, if it makes inflation worse, that's going to be harder on not only the people that have to pay for these layabouts, but it, it's going to make it harder on the the Cody's too. So Cody may be planning his future, but Cody is being crushed by inflation as well, and yet these people don't see it. They don't see that they're begging the government to do something that will crush us with more inflation. But I'm saving the best part for last. So this is the TV news story about Cody and student loan forgiveness. Now you may be wondering at this point, as I was as I was watching this, he's been out of college for nine years, he still owes the 30 grand, He's him and his wife both work. Um what what's he doing that he's not able to just pay off the 30 grand or have a plan you know i mean not all at once but i mean 30 grand is manageable you would think right so you're both working two income family w- what is cody doing with his education listen to this
0: and it's that education that hunanian says got him to where he is today now the executive director of the student debt crisis center
2: Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's the executive director of the Student Debt Crisis Center, which is a nonprofit. So this phony, (laughs) I mean, you've got to, I can see why, I can see why the guy sent it to me. This guy is crybabying about his 30,000, but he's making money Off a sham nonprofit called the Student Debt Crisis Center. And that tells you everything you need to know right there. How about you get a real job and pay off the debt? But no, you're making money off other people who are in student loan debt. I mean, you, you can't make up stuff like this. All right. Continue.
0: Now the executive director of the Student Debt Crisis Center, a nonprofit focused on ending the student debt crisis.
9: For me, the only way to open the door was to take on student loan debt, even though it's created really unnecessary challenges and you know we've had to be stressed and all of that. But my future is brighter nonetheless. Oh, now, come
2: on. No, no, no. <laughs> what, what do you mean you opened the door and took on student loan debt? That would mean you were paying it, dude. You're not paying it. You're 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 waiting for Joe Biden to pay it, and you're running some scam on other people that are in it. I mean, what would a what? How are they taking on student debt? What 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 is the crisis center? Is it a place to go and and talk about how you feel, or is it a drop in, or you know, that's nothing. Taking it on is paying for it. I believe the term that is now used is adulting. You need to do some adulting, Cody. I mean, you'd have to see—you'd have to see the TV picture of this guy too. He's—he's he's very Cody. You know what I'm saying? I he's—he's—he's—he's mean, he's, he's, he's not just Cody. He's Cody. So he's waiting for his loan forgiveness, and he says he's got a dream. Listen to this.
0: Now he's not only waiting for his loan forgiveness, but also fighting so that others can also get the relief.
9: My dream, my vision for a better America in the future is one where my kids don't even have to consider student loan debt.
0: Education, what Secretary the, of Michael. Okay,
2: and so that was it. What, what the actual F are we talking about here? My dream for a better America, go to work, pay it back. You borrowed it, you got to pay it back. That's how it works. I would never say, I I hope I never sink to the level of saying that my dream for my child is that some days she will not have to pay back money that she owes. That's my dream. I mean, it's one thing to get away with something. (laughs) But to say that's your dream? That's your ideal? But see, this to me, and I'm not generalizing, I don't mean to generalize about millennials, but honest to God, you form a nonprofit. You talk this nonsense talk. You're doing everything but the actual thing that big boys and girls do when they have a debt. You hear it on Ramsey's show every day, right? Roll up your sleeves, start paying it back. Uh, it, believe me, I'm not unsympathetic to the to the scam of it all. I'm not unsympathetic to how uh, we have propagandized everyone should go to college and a college degree is a golden ticket. I know we've I know we've run a lot of jive by people and it's not right. I remember even when I was young and, and the things people said about going to college that as I look back on it now we're, were pretty much nonsense. We really ought to look at that. We care about this. We ought to care about how people get into so much debt in the first place. The ease with which the misunderstanding or mis or 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 maybe you'd say illusions under which people sign on for this the idea that, that oh when the professor says in the piece um we need people with skills you know we do need people with skills we need people with skills to fix things at Cody's house and to drive trucks to deliver things to the stores that Cody goes to and that's what we're not doing enough of that's what we're not presenting with some emphasis or putting it on an equal. I would just like to see that put on on an equal footing so that, you know, yeah, if you want to go to college or you have a, a career path that requires college, fine, good, but there are other things you can do and have a good life and make good money and be um, indispensable to people, and the trades are begging for those people. And by the way, you never, ever, ever hear about somebody who turns a wrench every day crybabying about how they can't pay back the loan. You never hear that. They went to Vogue School. They had to get training. It's funny how they're not the ones asking for a bailout. So I'm just, I'm over this. I'm over these crybabies. I'm over the Cody's. Thank you. Rob sent me this. Rob, whoever you are, thank you for sending me this piece. I'm so glad I saw it. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts, your reaction to what you heard. 210 Fifty-five, fifty-five. Bobby's on the radio. Bobby, good afternoon.
10: Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm just great. Just got home. Uh, you are you probably preempted what a part of what I was going to say that Cody needs to Dave Ramsey. This it's ridiculous. What I'd like to know is how much he he had that after nine years he still has thirty thousand when, mm-hmm. when he started. Asking.
11: Yeah.
10: But I had a proposal, and it's that. It involves uh, the premise that education is a matter of national security. So I'm for the government buying all of the loans, refining, refinancing at the three percent that we had back when we were going through, and uh, there's no debt forgiveness on the principal, but we're cutting the interest rate down to yeah. a manageable
2: amount. See, but the problem with that, Bobby, is that doesn't give the politicians uh, a chance to white, you know, white knight themselves to your rescue. Oh. That's what they want. They don't want something practical or a little bit. They want to be able to say we wiped the slate clean. But I like, I like what you said about Ramsey. The only problem is you can tell from listening to Cody. He's never going to take that advice because in order to take Ramsey's advice, you actually have to, and, and Dave Ramsey makes you do this. You have to own how you got to where you're at, right? That he'll only help people if they, if they own their their journey this guy doesn't own his journey it's like it's like somebody else borrowed the money and put it on him and i'm just i'm over this i i i was not a fan to begin with but the more i hear from the codies the more entrenched um i get about this mike is on ktsa hi mike
10: yeah hi jack uh, i just want to say first of all i'm listening to you from georgia I lived in uh, San Antonio for a while, and I really liked your show, so I continue to listen to you up here. Oh, well, thank you. Over well, here thank in you. Georgia. Yeah. So um, I think that this is going to uh, be a boomerang for the Democrats. I, I think that they were trying to buy votes, and um, I think that there's just too many young people who went to trade school or didn't go to school, uh, and they do other things, or, or people who paid off their loans. And I really think that it's going to come back to uh, to bite them. Um, in our own case, my wife and I, my wife went to work when my daughter was going to school uh, so that we could pay for her undergraduate education, which was expensive, too expensive. Um, and then when she went to graduate school a few years later, she took out loans. And uh, I got to say, I was very proud of her because in five years, she paid off $175,000 in loans. Now, wow. how did she do that? She worked a lot. Well, first yeah. of all, she got a great education and a good job, and she worked mm. a lot of overtime Nine. to discharge those loans. Um, so it can be done, and uh, I understand. But I think that to
2: do problem. it, you have to know even before you take the loan, you have to, you have, to have figured out how you're going to pay it down. And what I'm hearing from people like this is that they never had any intention or plan, and now they've been told, you don't have to, and they they totally believe that it's not their debt.
10: Yeah, would you get a degree in art history or something like that? I'm not saying we don't need art historians, but and you spend a hundred some thousand dollars to get it. I mean, I don't yeah. know what they were thinking or their parents how yeah. they were yeah. you know advising them.
2: Yeah, well, thank Mike, you. it's good to hear from you, and, and thank you for listening in Georgia. I hope you'll call again, and it's uh, good to have you with us. By the way, we are uh, getting ready for our. 2022 version of Rapping with Jack and our good friend Ken Slavin is going to stop by, uh, later in this hour. Get us ready for our big event at Blue Bonnet Palace on December the 6th. And you can give right now at ktsa.com for Rapping with Jack. Um, before the news, we were, uh, listening to this, uh, television piece about Cody Hunanian, 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 who, uh, is a uh, young uh, man that is waiting for his student loans to be wiped off the board because he's been out of college for nine years and he still owes $30,000 and this is what he said to the TV reporter, take a listen.
0: Because while he's been out of college for nine years he still owes
9: $30,000. I recently married, me and my wife are going to be thinking about purchasing a home so it's all of a sudden kind of right in front of me again because I'm thinking about the kind of debt I have, and I need to finance my future and get a home.
2: Um, <laughs> who wants to tell him that when you purchase a home, you're going to have a mortgage? Or, or are you, see, I, I say this chuckling, but maybe people like Cody are thinking, well, if that becomes difficult, the politicians will have mortgage Forgiveness. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I think there are people who believe the purpose of government is to remove obstacles uh, from your path, you know, to take things that are in your way out of your way. And so my problem with this isn't just making other people pay for your loan. This is redefining right and wrong. So not only should the guy that delivers a pizza to Cody's house not have to pay Cody's student loan. I mean, that's outrageous. But nobody should. It's Cody's debt. And if you think he got a raw deal, your beef is with the mindset, the culture, the industry that pushes these kids into college in the first place. It was Milton Friedman who said, the three things government should do is defense, uh, law and order, and um, I think the third one was uh, protect property. So military defense, property and contracts, law and order. Those are the three areas of government. Everything else the government does to manage or centrally plan the economy always makes things worse. And we lose our freedom in the process. And this is the other thing that the Codys of the world don't realize. Politicians don't give you anything without strings attached. 210-599-5555 as we get your reactions to Cody. And Scott is on the radio. Scott, good afternoon.
3: Yeah, hey, how's it going? Um, I have a lot of thoughts about this, and so just stop me whenever. But, but my first uh, thought is that it seems to me every time the government subsidize or get starts throwing money in the price gets jacked up especially with yeah. universities yeah. and colleges like it's insane now how much it costs and so that's that's part of it yeah and it's gone up much faster
2: than any other thing you could look at it's the the price yeah, is inflated yeah. faster than anything else
3: yeah I, I think it's it costs way more than it should to go to college and and the loans are just insane like insane so and it's definitely a political stunt i mean the Republicans are going to look bad if they say no, you know, it's kind of like the kid in the candy jar. But, um, I was going to say my own personal experience. I came from out of state. I married, my wife lived here. She had the better job. I was going to college and I lost like all those credits. Yet, if you came from Mexico, the credits transferred and I was paying out of state tuition, but if you came from Mexico, you didn't have to pay out of state tuition. So that, Mm -hmm. that just Mm -hmm. further jacked the price. up. you know, Mm -hmm. I, so just to that point, I just feel like the liberals, if you're conservative, you know, you're fighting a losing battle because they're always cushioning, dipping in the coffers, cushioning their base, you know, with... Fun, well, they make themselves money, look with, good
2: spending your money. Yeah. They they take your money yeah. and they spread it around and want the credit. But I, I, I will say, Scott, the only thing I would disagree with you on is I, I don't think it's going to work because I do think a lot of people are angry about it. There's There's way more people not getting this who know they're paying yeah. for it? Then there are waiting for the actual, uh, you know, payoff. Like this guy Cody, well, yeah. yeah, he's waiting for his yeah. money. But think of, think of all the people that know they're going to have to pay for his loan, and they're voters too. Oh, so, yeah. Scott, thanks for the call. Uh, Worthy is on KTSa. Hi, Worthy.
12: Hey, brother, how you doing today? Uh, just comment a question for you. Is that Cody with a Y or an I? Uh, it says C O D Y. Oh, okay. Well, I was thinking more like CODI, but all right. With a smiley Um, face for the dot, right? With a smiley face, yeah. I I think he was more implying, rather than that somebody else was going to pay the loan off for his kids, that there wouldn't be any loan requirements at all because all the school would be free. Right. So I think that was more what he was implying.
2: But does he he really think free means that it's free, like... The the professors oh, sure. will donate their time and 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 people will, will build the buildings for nothing. I mean who yeah.
12: the hell who the hell thinks it's free? Well, you know, their mindset free it's just free to them. I mean, you ask them and I've had liberal friends and liberal acquaintances who are falling to that ilk of people that in their mind free is free. And you're like, well, somebody is paying for that, buddy. And of course, it's yeah. the U.S. tax paper. But yeah. uh, let me ask you something. I have, it's been mentioned several times in passing, but I've never heard anybody give a definitive answer on how President Biden, what authority did he have to waive debt? To be paid to the federal government, I mean, he, can, he can do executive orders, he can mm-hmm. do things. You know, these are all federal. Well, it's funny you mention
2: this because right? uh, we have actually we have talked about this today. Is the birthday of the Patriot Act? You remember the Patriot yeah. Act, right? Oh, and it is right. under it is under the Patriot Act that presidents have an authority in a time of war to forgive su- certain debts to the federal government. Clearly, we're not in a time of war. The pandemic, according to Joe Biden, is over, even though he got his seventeenth shot in the arm the other day um, so even though we're not in a war we're not in an emergency we're not in a pandemic uh, and this is by no means what was envisioned by the patriot act that's the that's the authority he's using he's he's calling it emergency powers uh, and we have i, I We've probably need to mention that more often. I know we have in the past, but, um, and that's why it's being challenged in the courts because I, I think there is a fairly good chance that the courts will say, no, that's not, you don't have the authority to do this. Um, that's where you will find out how political this really is because they are going to want credit for it, even if they don't do it. I promise you, they've already thought this through. If they lose in the courts, they will do what they always do. All of a sudden, the courts will become MAGA Republican courts, and they're evil, and uh, they ruined it for We were going to take care of you. We were going to help you, but the MAGA Extreme Republican Supreme Court or whatever it is won't let us do it. That's, That's how they now are very casually referring to any checks or balances, right? When they don't get their way... It's MAGA, and it's evil, and it's un-American, and the Russians are probably involved. So they either are going to take credit for all the codies of the world, or they're going to say to the disappoint, disappointed codies, hey, we, we're we on your side. We were going to do it, but these MAGA Republicans wouldn't let us. And I love when it's described as greed. I've had people write to me and go, what is your problem, Riccardi? Why are you so greedy? You You got your college education. You've had a career. Why do you not want these young people to have their future and start their lives together and get married and have little kids and have a house? Why do you not want that? So it's greedy when you want other people to pay debts they've signed for. That's the definition of greed. But it's not greedy when the federal government spends more than it takes in and takes in more than it ever has and takes more from you than anyone else does, that's not greedy. And it's never enough, by the way. You've never ever heard a politician say, we're good, revenues are good enough, this is enough, we should be able to run the government on this. You've never heard them say that. So their need is bottomless. But it's greedy if a person says, hey, I paid my way, I think you should pay your way. That's greed. Okay, just so we're clear. 617 210 599 Fifty-five, fifty-five, And then you got to love that Cody doesn't even have a real job. He works for a nonprofit called the Student Debt Crisis Center, which, if I was an attorney general in Cody State, I would be investigating right now because that sounds like a scam. Cody with a Y. I have to, I had to, by the way, I had to pull back a listener named Cody, a very good guy, listens to our show every day. He wrote to me uh, during the break. I said, Hey, I'm really sorry. <laughs> It's it's one of those names, right? There are certain names that just... But he's a good guy, so I will take back the things I've said in general about Cody's.
11: If you ever plan to motor west, travel my way, take the highway that's the best, get your kick. On yeah, There
2: he is. San Antonio's yes, premier song stylist from the Great American Songbook. Our good friend Ken five Slavin five. joining us on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners <laughs> Newsmaker line. It's the first time we've uh, talked since our big reveal on Monday that yeah. Rapping with Jack is back as a live event and concert on December 6th at the famous Blue Bonnet Palace. And Ken, we're excited and and happy that you and your bandmates are going to be with us for that,
11: oh thanks jack I'm so excited that it's happening again because my gosh um when the, I guess the last time we did it was the twentieth year I had done it the twenty first year you had done it it was twenty
2: nineteen yeah it was year. december twenty nineteen yeah. Yeah.
11: yeah and then it went in, we went into that you know that tunnel of virtual reality and you kept it, you kept the performance part going for two years from my living room in front of my Christmas tree I will I will, I will miss saying.
2: I will miss seeing you uh, and and Barry perform in your living room but uh <laughs> but I think I will I think I'm willing to trade that for being up there on the stage with you guys. It's a beautiful. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a big stage. It's a beautiful. No, stage. I've literally and, never
11: been in there that I can recall. So
2: yeah. I'm, we're uh, going to be under the stars. Time. They've got all these lights strung across the place. So you're like, you're, you've got the starlight. You've got these Christmas lights. You've got all this oh, wow. uh, fresh air. And then you've got the blue bonnet palace itself. And it's just going to be a, a wonderful place to wrap presents and hear you guys. And, and I'm always excited to see what you come up with for a playlist, and it's just going to be a good thing
11: oh well thanks yes and i'm a i am I you know I've alerted the band we know that we knew we were coming back and then you then you confirmed it was Blue bonnet Palace, which of course is a legendary place So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm excited that I get to to be there, but I'm just really excited that this event gets to go in person again and you're going to be able yes. to bring in all the folks I mean people love that event and they want to help and it's such a for me, it's always. I really feel like
2: it's Christmas once that happens. I have to tell you, and I think you'll understand this better than anybody else I could tell this to. Um, when we, when we couldn't do it, people were 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 very cool. They came through. We had, in fact, in terms of financial donations, we had one of the best years we've ever had last year, mm-hmm. and and so people were brave and and steadfast. But when we announced we were bringing it back, that's when I learned how much. People really missed, you know, they didn't complain. Nobody complained at the time. But now I can see that we just, we need to be with each other again. You know, that's just something that's essential.
11: Totally. And I'm I'm sure you've been inundated with calls and emails of people being excited that it's, that it's back.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't even think the word has fully gotten out yet. I mean, I, th- I think it takes a while. We've only just announced it. We put it up on the Facebook page for Rapping with Jack. which you, you can follow on Facebook, and that way keep up to date with everything. But, um, yeah, for folks that have not been to it before, Ken has been a part of it from almost the beginning, and you bring on different musicians that you know uh, and work with and do solid two hours, even when we're in commercial breaks, uh if you're at the event, these guys are playing and pumping it out. All your Christmas songs are there, your favorite songs, traditional, and um, everybody just absolutely, you are the highlight of that. I mean, everybody just loves that.
11: <laughs> oh, well, thank you. It, it's a highlight for us to be a part of it, and I love seeing you. I haven't seen you in person in such a long time, and the, uh, it's it's always wonderful. It's, it's really like a homecoming every year. I, I definitely missed it terribly. Um, during the time that we Ken, be there. Ken we sends me
2: Ken sends me fat pictures of myself from years past. I think <laughs> I think what you're really doing, I think what you're really doing is you're trying to keep me on the you know on the right path. Like, hey, this is what you could look like. <laughs> you know, don't slip. So I know what no, you're up to, and I appreciate no. it. No, it's tough love. It's tough love. I appreciate that. But, uh, well, the,
6: I think and I'm then, the only one
11: who's taking pictures of every one of them.
2: That's true. You have more. This is going to come out funny, but you—I think you have more pictures of me than probably anybody else I know of. So that's that's interesting. Yeah, that
11: yeah, I <laughs> well, I someday I'm going to do a. Um I'm going to do them all chronologically for you because I I know I I took I don't know if I took any pictures at the first one I did but I know over no. the years I've tried to document it and 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 in you know in the more recent years last ten or twelve years I've uh, shared them on Facebook and so yeah no um, you're great frankly, about that it's, it's it's time for me to uh to announce that we're going to be a part of it so I'll put that on my social in the next Good. couple of days Good. and get it out there and I'll link. It.
2: It's funny how you're the the you're the music director but you're also kind of like the pho- photographic director of rapping with Jack too. We appreciate that you do that. And and just for folks so you know and you can go to ktsa.com and and click on the rap and logo but uh just so you know you can uh donate presents at our drop-off locations. They're all open, they're all available now. There's a list of the things we need and these families need on the website. You can also uh, shop Amazon right on the website and give that way. Or you can bring gifts with you um, the night of, of December the 6th when you come out to Blue Bonded Palace. So we'll have gifts to wrap, but you can bring gifts as well. And we're going to make sure that every family member of, of the hundreds and hundreds of families they serve at FSA all have a gift with their name on it. To open on Christmas Day. That's what we've done. That's what we're going to do. And Ken, thank you for being a part of it and looking forward to seeing you.
11: Oh, I'm delighted, uh, Jack. Before we go, I was driving home and I heard you starting to sing. You were singing Getting to Know. You. <laughs> I heard you. <laughs> That's the first
2: yeah, I was afraid you might exactly hear that.
11: <laughs> I wouldn't want you to hear that. <laughs> it was right on, on pitch. It was good.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Well, it's probably good that I just did a little of it then, right? (laughs) You know the show business axiom, right? Leave them wanting more.
11: (laughs) Well, you're always welcome to come grab the microphone when the... You keep saying
2: that, and I don't know, it might happen one of these years. I don't know.
11: I I would love it. You've got great taste in music. I think um, I'll do it
2: when I know it's the last year. You know, that way I can just (laughs) be like Sinatra, just fade into the... Fade into the background. Well, anyway, Ken, uh, God bless you for doing this. Thank you for being such a great friend to me and to Wrapping with Jack, and we're looking forward to it and uh, talking to you soon.
11: Well, thank you, Jack. It's my pleasure. God bless you, too, and we'll see you soon.
2: All right, Ken Slavin, who will be Bye-bye. leading the band on December 6th, at the Blue Bonnet Palace for our 2022 version of Wrapping with Jack. All the details, again, at KTSA.com. I'm having trouble saying that. I don't know why. And you can give right there right now, uh, if so moved. Uh, so we were venting our spleen about Cody. We can talk about him a little bit more. We were talking earlier. I don't know if you heard this earlier. Um, it's our question on the JR poll. Are you okay or not okay with Jeffrey Dahmer as a Halloween costume? It was becoming, it was really trending because of the Netflix series that has Reinvigorated or reminded people of the of the Dahmer story, which happened thirty years ago, more than thirty years ago. And then uh, eBay and Amazon and others said, "Oh, well, we're going to take this down. We're not going to we're not going to sell these costumes, and we're not going to sell the, the things that would make up a costume of him." Uh, and and I know the family of one of the victims came out and 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 the news at one point and said, "We we find this incredibly offensive, and we're shocked." They're actually also very offended. Some of these families are also very offended by the Netflix show. They think that the way Netflix is portraying him kind of glamorizes him or, or glosses over what he did, and I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But anyway, we'll see how you feel about that. Poll results coming up this half hour. thirty eight KTSA. we'll have the uh, jr poll results coming up we've been talking about uh, Cody <laughs> a lot of Cody talk uh, we were talking about the uh, the midterm debates that have been in the news today principally um, the Pennsylvania Senate debate and the New York governor's debate the the Senate debate in Pennsylvania was just off the rails I I, uh, there's no way to adequate if you didn't hear it or see it, there's no way to describe how really impaired, uh, the Democrat John Fetterman who had a stroke, uh, is, um, he, he, it just, everything was, was a mishmash and they were asking good questions. It was a fairly moderated thing, but, um, you can't, he can't, he can't talk, um, Don, if you could, play um, cut number seven. This is where he's asked about his medical records. Take a listen
4: to this. You have not released your detailed medical records surrounding your stroke. Mr. Fetterman, will you pledge tonight to release those records in the interest of transparency? You have 60
5: seconds. No. Uh, to me, for transparency, is about showing up. I'm here today to have a debate. I have you know, speeches in front of 3,000 people in Montgomery County, you know, all across Pennsylvania, big, big crowds. You know, I believe if my doctor believes that I'm fit to serve, and, and that's what I believe is appropriate, and now with two weeks before the election, you know, I have run the campaign, and I've been very transparent about being very open about the fact we're in use captioning, and I believe that, again, my doctors, the real doctors that I believe in, they all believe that I'm ready to be served. Follow-up,
4: I didn't hear you say you would release your full medical records. Why not? You have 30 seconds.
5: no. Uh, yeah again, my Dr. L believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing.
2: You know, I will say this. He had a stroke. We understand what's happening here. How do we explain Kamala Harris's answers, right? I mean, at this point, they should just announce that she had a stroke. Because it, she makes, she, she's not making any more sense than he is, and he has a reason. He has a note from his doctor. But I, I, I do, um, I do find fascinating the new tack they've taken on this. So it was, a, it was a disaster. It was a train wreck. There was all kinds of sampling and surveying afterwards that indicate, um, it, it may have changed that race, which debates usually don't do. But the new tack is, oh, well, Forget about how he sounded. Think about how brave he was to go out there. He he was a profile in courage. He He taught us a lesson about working and being around disabled people. And if you were uncomfortable or uneasy with his comportment, that's a sign that you have a problem with the disabled. You need to work on your attitude because he is amazing to have gone up there and done that. And they now have this term ableist. If you, if you note that he is having cognitive difficulties and speech difficulties, his answers make no sense. Therefore, it's impossible to know what he would do as a senator. You, the, the answer you get back is, well, you're an ableist. You're an ableist. Okay. They had a debate in New York for governor. Lee Zeldin is the Republican congressman running against Democratic governor Kathy Hochul, who remember was, uh, succeeded to the governorship when Andrew Cuomo had to resign. So she's actually running for the first time for governor. And uh, that race has become close. But I noticed something in the debate. Uh, They both had moments. um, But something happened in that debate that I think is a real warning sign for Republicans um, in, in future debates. I hope that this will be played and replayed for candidates so they hear this. Uh, listen to what happens when they are starting to mix it up a little bit. Hokel and Zeldin, cut number 11 done.
9: Listen, I, I stated that the first day that I'm in office, I'm going to declare a crime emergency and suspend Castle's bail and these other pro-criminal laws because there is a crime emergency. My opponent thinks that right now there's a polio emergency going on, but there's not a crime emergency. Different priorities that I'm hearing from people right now, they're not being represented. From this this governor, who still, to this moment, we're we? halfway through the debate, she still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. Okay.
0: Anyone is- who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change we made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important to you. All I know is that we could do more. Well, when I say that could we do more, Excuse Al- me, I'm speaking. Sure, go ahead. We could do so much more. Okay,
2: if- right there, right there. Excuse me, I'm speaking. Oh, okay. He's totally whipped in that moment. If you'd have to see it, but the look on his face, I lost a little respect for Lee Zeldin there, and I like him, but I lost a little respect for him there. Dude, how many times do we have to say this to these candidates? You are debating your opponent. You interrupt, she interrupts. Men keep deferring to female opponents in debates. Uh, you'll, you, I'm sure, remember how many times Mike Pence, retreated from Kamala Harris, I'm not finished, I'm speaking. I'm de- men don't get away with that. When men interrupt each other, they just keep, you know, trading punches. And I, I'm all for chivalry, and I hold the doors, and I believe in the differences between men and women, but I, I have to say, when you're running for office, your opponent is not a man or a woman, they're your opponent. We Bears, could
0: do more. excuse oh, me, I'm speaking sure, go
4: ahead. we could
0: do
2: <laughs> no right there is a problem. you don't do that. I get why they do it. We've all been raised to be deferential, and i again I believe in that, but if it is a fair fight, you have to give and take, no matter who your opponent is. And it wouldn't matter whether your opponent was a different gender or significantly older than you or significantly younger than you. Um, and, and and I think, I'm sorry to say this, and you can be mad at me if you want to, but I'm here to call them like balls and strikes. I think there are some women candidates who know that the man will retreat, who know that they can get away with that. Don't interrupt me, I'm talking. And And, and that's got to stop. Or this will be a built-in advantage every time. It's just got to stop. You've got to stop seeing them that way. you got to stop thinking of them that way. Respect, yes, but this is your opponent. By the way, to my knowledge, I believe she interrupted him first. She jumped in on the tail end of his remarks. So you go back and forth, and I think that's okay. What do you think? 210 um, 599 But, you know, I think... What's what's really interesting is no one says it. No one says, well, you have to treat them differently or defer or whatever. But I think a lot of people um, do it reflexively. Like, I've watched Lee Zeldin on cable shows. I've watched him in debates uh, on the House floor. He's a pretty scrappy guy. And he doesn't let anybody, you know, run over him, which is why he's gotten as far as he's gotten. And he's actually... I, I don't think he'll win, but I think it's I think he's closer than any Republican has been since probably George Pataki in the nineties. But here's the thing, you've got to take it all the way. And I think in that moment he he showed that he pulled back. And he can't. I wonder how they talk about this in debate prep. Because there's a lot of debate prep. All these debates that you watch on television there's always been rehearsals and practice sessions, and the campaigns hire people who they think are temperamentally similar to the opponent, and they do practice with that person so when when Abbott was practicing, they had a Beto stand- in, and when Beto was practicing, they had an Abbott stand-in and all that stuff if you if 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 they're doing that, I'm hoping they're saying to these male candidates, "Do not let them." Play that card, do not let yourself be cowed or 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 get you know hesitant about it and and I'm sure there are people who will say that if you take my advice, you're going to sound like you're mansplaining or you're being rude to the woman. but I think most voters at this point we've had enough men and women serve in all different kinds of offices. I think at this point when they see you. Pull back like that, it, it just looks weak. It's not, oh, what a polite man. It just looks weak. It sounds weak. It's just my take. I could be wrong. That's how it looks to me. <laughs> Here is the number one song in this country in this day in 1976. Recorded by a Los Angeles radio DJ named Rick Dees, and it went all the way to number one. It was a takeoff of disco songs of the time called Disco Duck. Take a listen to this. uh on radio back in the day would have these records. They put out these records. So they were like playing records, but then they were putting out records. And um, yeah, this went all the way to number one, Disco Duck, Rick Dees, and his cast of idiots was the name of the band. And uh, I, I will tell you a quick story about Rick Dees. When I was just getting into the business and uh, just trying to get, you know, get a job somewhere, get hired. I would send out tapes all over the country. Just everybody, anybody, you know, just ridiculous. In those days, you would send cassette tapes. And I must have sent one to him. I don't remember why I would have done that, but I I guess I did. I don't even know what what, what sense that made because he was not, I don't believe he was in management. I think he was just a morning host. But um, he sent me a very nice note. I don't know if I still have it. I mean, it was handwritten on the radio station paper, and uh, Kiss in Los Angeles, and uh, it was just like a, hey, you know, you sound good, keep rocking, doing what you're doing, hang in there, you know, kind of thing. It probably took him just a few seconds, but I thought to myself, that that is a class act right there. If I didn't know anything else about him, that would make me a fan. So I remember that all these years later. That was probably, I don't know, 35 years ago, or more,
1: more than 35, maybe 38. Sonny Melendrez always for some reason for me reminded me of Rick D's somewhat a little bit is, is that yeah, a possibility bit. maybe you know because Just a little it, bit Sonny, Sonny used to do a lot of the sound effects at uh, I don't have a note from him though Melendez, so. so yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry
2: going to have to put Rick ahead of him okay. on that um, on the JR poll we asked you this is surprising cuz if I think about the callers we took on the Jeffrey Dahmer costume it seemed like People were kind of mixed or mostly okay with it. So the question on the J.R. poll, uh, are you okay or not okay with Jeffrey Dahmer as a Halloween costume, 85% are not okay with it, and 15% are okay with it. Just remember, if somebody comes to your door dressed as Jeffrey Dahmer for Halloween, just pull the candy bowl back and say, well, I'm not giving you any candy because that's not what you eat. You know, I mean, Sorry. You, you wear the costume, but you're not, you're not getting any Snickers bars. So, um, tomorrow we'll have a new JR poll. And, uh, of course, you can always find it at KTSA.com. You can find our show anytime at KTSA.com. Uh, Don Cooper and I were talking about this off the air earlier. Uh, the other day in Britain, a radio host died during his show. Tim Guff hosted a show called Radio Gen X. Uh, suffered a heart attack and passed away while hosting the show from his home studio. The station played several minutes of filler music when they realized what had happened. And uh, Don and I were talking about this, and Don says he would probably not do that. He would probably play tape or maybe put put some Dave Ramsey on. So if that should happen someday, if you're suddenly hearing Dave Ramsey during this time, you know what I'm... You know what I'm saying, right? I mean, it's been nice. It's been real. (laughs) It won't be music like it is right now. I'm still alive even though he's playing music. I'll see you back here tomorrow at 4 on KTSA.